Welcome to MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the truth behind medical research with unbiased, evidence-proven facts, powered by Encore Research Group and hosted by cardiologist and top medical researcher, Dr. Michael Corrin. Hello, my name is Dr. Michael Corrin, and I'm the host of this edition of MedEvidence. And MedEvidence is our program where we find out the truth behind the data. And I have the great pleasure of having a wonderful guest today, Dr. Sunil Joshi, who I've known for many years. He He's actually a next-door neighbor in clinical practice, yeah. and, and uh, we bump into each other periodically. But a very, very impressive fellow who uh, is an allergy immunologist and also very involved in organized medicine as a past president of the Duval County Medical Association and Foundation. That's right. And uh, Dr. Joshi is also interested in clinical research, and so am I. So here we are together. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to have a pleasant chat this morning about clinical research, about allergy and immunology, about organized medicine, and most importantly, how do we help patients with all this? And how do people figure out this crazy confusion of medical information that they have to deal with every day? Right. I'm excited to kind of help people understand that. Beautiful. So we're going to start discussion today with a common problem that a lot of us deal with, which is pollen. So start us off, just what is pollen and why is it something we have to deal with and, and give us a little background. Yeah, so pollen, of course, is produced by plants. So this is the way that plants, in particular the ones outdoors, propagate their lifespan. So so during the winter months, in particular in other parts of the country where things freeze and everything dies, mm. um, the trees are, are pretty much dormant during those months. As the weather warms up, they start to grow again. But as they're growing, they release pollen, which is mm. basically like the sperm of the yeah, trees. Sp spreading their seed. We they're, all like they're, to spread our seed. They're <laughs> spreading their seeds so that you can have more beautiful trees and grasses and weeds out there. Mm -hmm. But also it allows you know for, for life forms to continue to propagate as well. But that that pollen has a lot of protein in it, mm -hmm. and it's very, very small. And so that pollen gets into our airways, into our eyes, our nose, into our lungs as well. And our immune system, not in everybody, but in a certain percentage of the population, looks at that as being foreign and something that they should attack. And as they attack it, they attack it through an allergy cascade as opposed to a cascade that might attack a bacteria or a virus. And mm -hmm. that's how we get all of our symptoms. Interesting, interesting. So. So help people understand that a little bit more. So the, the green stuff that's on my car here in Florida, is, is that what we're talking about? It's like that. So the mm -hmm. green, yellow green stuff that you have on your car, on your patio here in Florida, especially from late January until about mid-March, is pine tree pollen. Okay? okay, But typically pollen is not big enough for you to see with the naked eye. Okay, oh. So that is the one pollen that you can see. So people see pine pollen and they associate that with their symptoms. But believe it or not, the most common pollinator, tree pollinator here in Northeast Florida is the oak tree. We have oak trees everywhere. Mm -hmm. And oak trees pollinate at much higher levels than, than pine trees do. You just don't see them. Mm. So you don't relate your symptoms to oak tree pollen. You're relating your symptoms to pine tree pollen when, in fact, there are other trees that are most likely causing your allergy symptoms. Interesting. Now, there's a lot of discussion about the seasonal, seasonality of pollen. And so you can get into that a little bit more. I know you, know, you said pine is uh, January through March here in Florida. It's probably different in other parts of the country. Yes. And there's other plants that create pollen havoc at other times. 
But there's also this notion that maybe we're having a bigger problem with pollen because of climate change change issues. So maybe you can comment on some of those things. Well, no doubt about it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for for the most part, for vegetation to go through its life cycle, you have to have a a period of dormancy. Mm -hmm. And that dormancy typically occurs with freezes. Mm -hmm. And what we have noticed over the last 25 years is the the time in the fall to the first freeze, not just here in Northeast Florida, but throughout the country, Mm -hmm. is becoming later. The, the length of the freeze season is becoming shorter. So what's happening is the dormant period is much shorter too. So the pollen season tends to last longer. Mm-hmm. And here in Florida, our, for instance, this past year, we only had three major freezes this, this past mm-hmm. winter. They were all right around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we've had relative, we had relatively cool weather, but not freezing temperatures, which is why the pollen came out so early and why we tend to see pollen around here in January, as opposed to maybe up in the Midwest or the Northeast where they started seeing pollen maybe about two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So much longer and intense pollen seasons as climate change continues to occur. Interesting. So, so how much of your practice is focused on these type of allergy issues, specifically related to pollen? Just, just give a general yeah. Sense so, for that. In, interesting. Interestingly enough, almost everyone who comes to our office thinks mm-hmm. they have allergies, right? They're coming to see an allergist, and mm-hmm. they assume they have allergies. But the vast majority of people we test actually come back negative on their tests. Okay, so, so it's somewhere between. 25 to 40% of our population Mm -hmm. have their disease process pushed through because of pollen. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, of course, other allergens, dogs and cats and dust mites and things like that. But pollen allergy is in that 25 to 40% range. A lot of our patients are non-allergic, but still have symptoms of allergic diseases that we end up treating. Okay. So I'm going to give you a a little case scenario here. Okay. And um, be super curious to see your perspective on it. Okay. So we have a 26-year-old white male, maybe looks kind of like me. Yeah. Who um, Maybe many years ago? It's possible. Okay, okay. But um, this fellow, uh, you grew up with a bunch of his friends, and they all complained about having seasonal allergies up in the Northeast. And um, this teenager had no idea what they were talking about. He actually thought they were faking it because they would be complaining about the, the air or the, the trees blooming or this, that, the other thing. And I was in the same environment. I mean, the person was in the same environment. <laughs> and and, um, and I couldn't understand why that would be. And then uh, things changed. And then when this person uh, went to medical school and then graduated and was a resident, he went to a, a graduation at his brother's graduation, as it turns out. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in May, up in Massachusetts, his eyes were watering. His face was swollen. He's getting like snifflingness, but he didn't feel, you know, systemically sick, mm-hmm. and um, he wasn't sure what was going on. So. Uh, I love your perspective on that. Yeah. So that's actually not an unusual story. So mm-hmm. people who, first of all, to the beginning of your story, people who don't suffer with allergies really don't get people who do. They don't understand why the watery eyes bothers them. Why do they have to sneeze so much? Why are they blowing their nose all the time? You know, you just look at them as being like they're sick all the time when in mm-hmm. fact they're not. They're otherwise mm-hmm. very healthy people. And the story you're telling is of a person who is otherwise very healthy, didn't really suffer with allergies until they very likely got put into a situation where they had high levels of pollen. So you're talking about May in Massachusetts, whereas if they had a, a, a rough winter at that time, their pollen, their spring pollen, tree pollen, would be at its peak in late April, early May, which is around the time you would have been out at, at an outdoor graduation. And so it makes perfect sense that that person was developing his first episode of allergic rhinitis um, out there at his brother's graduation. Interesting. 
So I kind of alluded to the fact that this is actually my story and and my history. (laughs) So I'm going to be really, really interested in more of your perspective. But we're going to go into that in the next segment. Great. Thanks for joining the MedEvidence podcast. To learn more, head over to medevidence.info or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform.